0: We're up to mitzvah number 103, and today we're going to do three mitzvahs, 103, 104, and 110, and they all relate to the mitzvah of bringing ketores, of bringing incense in the temple, in the tabernacle, every day. Of course, we are in mid the sections related to the temple and to its sacrifices, and we have mitzvah number 103, which is to offer incense twice a day, in the morning, afternoon, upon the golden inner altar. There are two altars. There's the outer one, upon which you bring all the sacrifices. It's much bigger. It's made out of copper. And then there's the inner one, and it's made out of gold. It's much smaller, and that is used for incense. So that's Mitzah number 103, to offer incense twice a day upon the golden inner altar. And the Mitzah number 104 is related, and that is to not use the golden inner altar... For anything else, you don't offer sacrifices upon it with the exception of Yom Kippur. On Yom Kippur, once a year, you do offer sacrifices on the golden inner altar. But the rest of the year, it is prohibited to use the golden inner altar for anything else aside for incense. And finally, mitzvah number 110, and that relates to the concoction Of the incense, as we'll see, there are 11 different ingredients that go together and have to be mixed up in this very precise way to make the incense. And that mixture, it is prohibited for us to replicate it. If we gather these 11 ingredients and we replicate it, we are in violation of mitzvah number 110, not to replicate the mixture of the incense. So part of the daily routine in the temple is the twice daily offerings of Incense. The verse tells us that Aaron, the Kohen, takes the special mitzvah of katoris, of incense, of the various different spices, and places it upon the golden inner altar twice a day. And that raises a beautiful smoke. And there's this spread of this wonderful aroma. And that is the mitzvah that we're talking about today. Now, part of this mitzvah is also to create the special cocktail, the special mitts of the katoris. And that is not done every day. It's not even done every week or every month. It is made once a year. Once a year, they gather sufficient spices for the entire year's worth of incense and its mitts in the very special precise method. And that is gonna be used over the course of the year. And the Sefer Chinech tells us that the mating of the incense and the offering of the incense is all bundled together in one mitzvah, mitzvah number 103. Now, there is a dispute among the commentaries as to whether or not this is one daily mitzvah or two daily mitzvahs, because we have to bring the incense twice a day, according to the Ramban. He says it's two of the 613, once in the morning and once in the afternoon, but the Rambam and the Sefer Chinuch that we are using to navigate through the mitzvahs, they are of the opinion that it's only one mitzvah, the twice-daily katores offerings. Now, as you mentioned, the mating of the katores is part of this mitzvah. It is comprised of 11 different ingredients. Four of them are mentioned explicitly in the Torah, and seven of them are included in the oral Torah and the oral tradition. Now, part of the description of the K'tores is actually featured in our prayers, and the part of the K'tores that is highlighted in the prayers is the mitzing and the creation of the K'tores. And it tells us that every day we bring what's called a mana. Mana is a certain volume; it's about a, about a pound, if you will, a little more than a pound of K'tores brought every day half in the morning and half at night. And every year, they made 368 manes for the year's k'tores, for the annual k'tores consumption. And it tells us the precise breakdown of each one of these 11 ingredients, how much of a percentage, how much of a proportion of the total mixture is from each one of these 11 ingredients. So it tells us the first four, which is tsari, Tziporen, Chalbana, and Levona, which, according to Art Scroll, it's stacti. I don't know what stackti is, or onika. These are names of various spices. Chalbana is Galbanum, and Levona is called Frankincense. So these four are featured in the actual Torah. And each one of these, there are 70 manas. Think of it as 70 pounds worth of... That are included in the annual mixture. And then we have more, Kitsia, Shibolas Naird, and Karkom. Now there is a lot of literature discussing the exact identity of all these spices, but Art School tells us that more is what's called Myrrh, and Kitsia is Cassia, and Shibolas Naird is Spiked Lavender, and Karkom is Saffron, And each one of these, there are sixteen manas placed in the annual mixture, and then there is kosht, and then there is kilufa, and then there is tinaman, which seems to be cinnamon. And you put them all together, and you mix them in this wonderful way, in this wonderful fashion. It's not evenly distributed. Each one had to be included with the precise proportions, and that created a mixture, a spice, that when it was burned, the Smoke will go straight up. And the entire temple, and the entire city of Jerusalem, and the Talmud tells us, even the environs of Jerusalem, all the way down to Jericho, there would be be this incredible aroma, says the Talmud, the goats of Jericho would sneeze due to the smell of the katoras of the incense. The Talmud, in fact, tells us that brides in Jerusalem, if you're a bride, you want to smell really good. But when the temple was in session, and every day there was ketores, there was incense that was being burned, there was such a lovely smell permeating throughout the whole city that the brides did not even need to apply any perfume. Now, it's interesting, if you look at some of these ingredients, one of them, we're told, the Chelbana was actually rancid. If you just looked at it on its own, it was awful. It was it had a terrible effluvia to it. But when it was placed together with the other other ingredients, and again, each one with the precise proportions, the result was heavenly. And in fact, the collective smell of all eleven together was better than any one individually. And in fact, once the entire concoction was completed, even the aforementioned chelbana, that on its own had a rancid, awful smell, it ultimately contributed to the aroma that resulted from the entirety of the mixture. And the Talmud tells us that the reason why there is this one ingredient, the chelbana, that is included with all the other wonderful ingredients, that's to remind us that we're really one nation. And some of us, on our own, smell really great. But we have to remember that there are others amongst our nation, the wicked as they are called, they don't really give off such a wonderful aroma. But the taurus in its entirety symbolizes the entire nation. And we cannot forget about the foul smelling amongst us. And in fact, when they're included in our prayers and in our offerings, the net result of it all is actually better. So ultimately, even those chelbanas amongst us contribute towards the wonderful smell. Now the Sefer Chinoch, the book that we again are using to go through the mitzvot, he always offers a reason why we have every mitzvah. And he says that the reason why we have this is because if you're going to go to the house of God and you want to have, feeling of the honor and the distinction and the power and the awe of the house of God, you have to do something special. You have to elevate the experience. And the way you do that is you do it with things that people appreciate. And smell, he tells us, it's a very powerful sense. It's a very spiritual sense. It draws a person in. It's also, we're told, a spiritual sense. There's nothing physical, really tangible about it. You know, you could get on the phone and the audio can transfer across the globe and you can watch a video from the other side of the world, but they have yet to create a smell-o-vision. You can't really, you can't really transmit smells. It doesn't really work like that. Why? Because it's much more spiritual. And this incense brought in the temple is the best aroma that a human can concoct. And therefore, when you walk into the temple, all of your senses were engaged and you really appreciate the fact that you're about to enter the residence, the domicile of God in the world. Now, this concoction can only be made by a kohen, one of the laws of the katoos, of the incense. If you forgot the morning edition of the incense, you would do double at night. But on a typical day, you would do half of it in the morning and half of it at night in between the preparation of the wits. The kohen will prepare the wits for the menorah And after he prepared five of those wicks, he would stop, do the ketores, and then go finish the rest of the wicks. And when they would do it, they would clear out the space. There can't be anyone there. There is a prohibition against having people around when the Kohen offers the incense. And he takes the spices, the precise amount, and he places, there's some coals upon the altar, and he puts the spices gently upon the coals, he bows, and he leaves. And there's another law here that the Sefer Chinuch mentions, and as he typically does, he offers us, you know, some miscellaneous laws related to this mitzvah. There's an interesting law that when you mix the spices once a year, there are various incantations, sounds that you have to make, Why? Because this is such a fine art—the mixture of the spices—that when you make sound, it actually helps enrich the mixture. So this is mitzvah number one hundred and three. An interesting mitzvah. Part of the activities, the procedures, the offerings done in the temple in the tabernacle is the k'tores, is the incense, and we have mitzvah number one hundred and three. That is the mitzvah to prepare the incense and to offer it twice a day. Mitzvah number 104 talks about the exclusivity of the golden altar. There is, in the sanctuary, there are three vessels. You have the table, we talked about the table. You have the menorah, and you have the golden altar, three golden vessels only a coin to walk into the sanctuary. And that inner golden altar can only be used for k'tores, with the exception of once a year on Yom Kippur, where they offer some other offerings upon it. Mitzvah number 104, the exclusivity of the golden inner altar to be used exclusively for the k'tores. And finally, we have Mitzvah number 110, And that is the prohibition forbidding us to try to replicate the incense. We have a list, a list of 10 ingredients. And theoretically, if you find those ingredients and you know the exact proportions, you could recreate the incense, but that would be a violation of Torah law. Why? Because this mixture is to be used only for the temple. And the Sefer Chenech explains that the temple is this one place in the world, one place in the whole world, where the relationship to God is palpable, is real, is undeniable. This is a unique location unmatched by any other. And therefore, in order to heighten the value, the prestige of the temple and its vessels and its accoutrements, there is a mitzvah to give some exclusivity to part of what we do there, namely the incense. And that's why only the Kohanim is it. It's not for simpletons. It's only the Kohanim and only in the temple. It's special and it is exclusive. There's one more interesting law that he brings over here. And that is, That suppose you are an enterprising Kohen. And you think that you could improve upon this recipe. And you want to skip some of the ingredients. You want to play around with some of the ingredients. If you skip any of the ingredients, you receive the death penalty. This is not something we play around with. This is part of what the Almighty tells us to do in the temple. play around with it. It is a capital crime. Now, there are some interesting instances in our literature that talk about the incense. One of my favorite ideas that I like to share, I've said it in one of my Parsha, I I think in a few Parsha podcasts in the past, there is a description offered about a person that their deeds were as pleasant as ketores, as incense. And that is, I think it's in chapter 25, if I'm not mistaken, of Genesis. When Abraham, after Sarah dies, he remarries. And the woman that he remarries is called ketura. And that sounds a lot like ketores, which is the incense. And Rashi tells us that this ketura, is a woman that we've met before, that is Hagar, the woman who is the mother of Ishmael, who Sarah banished after he proved to be a bad influence to Isaac. And now, after Sarah's past, Abraham remarries Hagar, and she's now called Keturah. Why did she have this name change? So Rashi tells us, well, because Hagar... Her deeds, she was so righteous. Her deeds were as pleasant as Kitoras, And because her deeds were as pleasant as Kitoras, therefore, she is renamed Keturah. Now, what about Hagar relates to Kitoras? So, I heard an idea from a friend of mine a couple of years ago. And I think it really strikes at the heart of what Katoras is. You may recall we spoke about it a few minutes ago. Part of the ingredients, part of the recipe for the Katoras is the Chelbana, which is something that on its own, it smells really, really awful, rancid, terrible, a putrid smelling spice. But the net result of the Katoras, is something really beautiful. How do you mask the smell of the chelbana and how do you transform it from smelling so terrible to smelling so, or to contributing to something which is so aromatically satisfying? The answer is, of course, that you don't just present the chelbana on its own. You know the right ingredients to add. If you add the specific ingredients featured in the literature and you add the right cocktail and you know exactly the proportions of what to put in and how exactly to make the mixture, then not only are you masking the terrible smell of the chalbanah, it's ultimately going to contribute towards the net result. So to be someone who makes the closest, to be the right spice master, you have to know exactly what to add and thereby negate the badness, so to speak, that's present. The way you make the kotoris is not by eliminating the Chalbana, but you take the chalbanah, it smells terrible, but when you add the right amount of other themes, and you make the correct cocktail, the result is wonderful. Hagar, she was dealt some of the most difficult cards in history. How so? She's the mother of Ishmael. Ishmael is the one person that the Torah forecasts he is going to be a wild man. The angel, God, told Hagar, you're going to have a rotten apple. His name is Ishmael. And indeed, she bore a child named Ishmael, and he was rotten apple. And there was a good reason why Sarah banished Hagar and her son from their house. Rashi tells us, that Ishmael did three things. The three cardinal sins. Murder, idolatry, and adultery. All three of them. He was a rotten apple. But later on in the Torah, Ishmael comes back. This time Ishmael's come back, has come back. This time Ishmael were told, repented. He became righteous. How did Ishmael repent? How did he become righteous? The answer is that his mom, her deeds were as pleasant as Kataris. She knew what other ingredients to add to not only mask the bad qualities that he bore innately, but to ultimately create a cocktail that results in something very pleasant, very aromatically satisfying. And that's why she's like Ketoros, because she knew exactly what to add. She, using her ability to be a spice master, she knew exactly what other ingredients to add to the cauldron to result in something that, when put together, is actually quite satisfying. There's another place where the Katoris appears in the Torah. And this is in Parsha's Korach, After Korach, Moshe's cousin, Moshe and Aaron's cousin, he launches his insurrection, and the the earth swallows up some of the participants in the Korach rebellion. And then there's a fire that consumes some of the co-conspirators. And then there's also a plague. There's a plague. And Moshe tells Aaron, go take some k'tores and stop the plague. And Aaron takes some or some incense, and stands between the living and the dead, and stops the angel of death. And Rashi tells us, quoting from the Talmud, that Moshe knew the way to thwart, the way to foil the angel of death. How so? When Moshe was in heaven to get the Torah, He befriended the angel of death. And the angel of death said, I want to to give you a secret. Let me give you a secret. Let me give you a gift. If you ever want to stop me, just offer Ketoros. That's all you need to do to stop the angel of death. So when there was an eruption of a plague, the angel of death is running wild, running amok in the camp. Moshe knew the secret to stop it. He tells Aaron, go take the k'tores and go stop the angel of death. And Rashi actually records that there was a conversation between Aaron and the angel of death. When Aaron was standing with the k'tores, angel of death had to stop. And he tells Aaron, get out of my way. I'm here to go fulfill the will of God. And Aaron responded, well, so am I because Moshe told me to bring the incense, and Moshe would never tell me something which is against the will of God. And ultimately, the plague ended. So there's something really fascinating that our sages are telling us, that Katoras stops plagues. Why is that? So here's my theory. A plague, by definition is something which kills righteous and wicked alike. The plague is all about indiscriminate death. It's running rampant and it's trampling over people irrespective of who they are individually. So the theory goes that the essence of a plague is when we fail to distinguish between individuals, when we're indiscriminate and we treat everyone the same and we fail to realize the individuality of every person, that is the attribute that unleashes indiscrimination. If everyone's the same, then there is no differentiation between the righteous and the wicked, and therefore that is something which unleashes a plague. It's measure for measure. But the antidote, what's the antidote? The antidote is the incense. What's the incense? It's a mixture of 11 completely different spices. Some of them are wonderful. Some of them are awful. But each one's unique. And we put them together. We create a certain harmony, a certain symphony, and all the different and unique parts are working together. Not that everyone's the same. Everyone has the same goal. But not that everyone's the same. Everyone's unique. Everyone's special. Everyone's an individual. And they're all working towards a shared goal. And we realize that everyone has their own, their own tailored path to arrive at the final result, which is that aromatic delight. And everyone has something to contribute. And everyone can add and manipulate to the ultimate cocktail with their own contributions. And that is what makes it satisfying. And that's what creates this aroma that spans from Jerusalem to Jericho. When you do that, the plague ends. When you realize that everyone's an individual, we're not just a bunch of widgets, cards in this big picture. Everyone is unique. Everyone's got their own little fingerprint. Everyone is a one of one. That's the antidote to the plague. And that's symbolized by the Ketoros. And even today, we don't have a temple. We don't have a tabernacle. We haven't had one for a couple of millennia. There is a widespread custom every day to talk about the Torahs. It's in the prayers. According to some, they say it multiple times a day. According to others, they say it maybe in the morning or on Shabbos, different customs. But they take various parts of the Mishnahite and the Talmudic literature that relate to the incense, and they say it every day. Why do we say it every day? One of the reasons offered is because we don't have the ability to bring sacrifices or offerings. But when you study the parts of the Torah that correspond to the various offerings— It is the equivalent of you offering it. That's one reason. Alternatively, it's important for Jews to study every day. And therefore, there's a citation from the Talmud, from the Mishnah, that is offered or that is said every day. It's in the prayers. Everyone says the prayers every day. Therefore, everyone will at least study the bare minimum of Torah every single day. Now, what's really interesting about this particular citation or sections from the literature is that it contains no disputes. You typically open up the Talmud or the Mishnah, Rabbi H says this, and Rabbi Y says that, and there's a lot of debate and discussion here. It's, there's no debate. It seems to maybe connect to the larger theme of Gatoras: is that when everyone comes together, we can all work in unison, and that's every individual contributing their unique contribution towards the greater whole but everyone working in harmony and there are in fact some people there's an ancient tradition to write out the parts of the prayers related to the Torahs to write it out on a cloth which is on, on a scroll the way you write a Torah scroll and according to some of the commentators this is a way to merit great wealth. Why? In the temple, it was known that if you were a coin who brought the k'tores, that was something that would contribute towards wealth. And today we don't have the k'tores, but we could still say the k'tores, and therefore many people have the custom every day to read the k'tores, or to read the citations from the k'tores, and you read it in the special way, written on the parchment, written like a Torah scroll, and that will be a boon for you to merit uh, economic prosperity. So that's Mitzvah number one hundred three, one hundred four, and one hundred ten. This very interesting part of the protocols of the Temple, done every day, once in the morning, once at night, some extra times on Yom Kippur. To bring the ktauras, to bring the incense.